Ruth Day. I'm the recovery coach, and I am here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to finding a better life. I'm here sharing my passion for recovery in hopes that it'll help you realize that you're not alone on this path and that there is hope and there is life after recovery. Hi, friends. It's Ruth Day. I'm the recovery coach, and I am so excited to be here with my coach, my dear friend, and someone I consider a, a mentor and someone who has inspired me to do so much better in my life, Dr. Donna Marino, and she's with Dr. Donna Marino Coaching and Consulting. We met, I think, just about a year ago. Uh, she did, yeah, an insert, uh, a uh, session. What would you call what you did at the retreat? A workshop. A workshop. Yeah, she did a workshop and it was something that was really powerful for me. And I looked up and I thought, you know, here is someone who is doing what I want to do. And when I run across those people in my life, I chase them down and I invite them out for lunch, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is what we did. And we had this wonderful lunch at a little green cafe. And it was amazing because in about 20 minutes of just conversation, you managed to pull out of me more about what I was passionate about and hadn't focused on. I, I had this scattershot approach to what I wanted to do with my life. And in just a few it felt like just a few questions, maybe it was more, but you pulled out of me um something that was so near and dear to me that I was crying in the restaurant. So great because I love crying in public. <laughs> but you you really do have you have a gift and to watch you work with other women, to hear you speak, you're a speaker, you, you're a consultant, you do coaching, you do all these marvelous things. Um, and what I really am inspired about you with is, is the way that you do lift people up. And you have lifted me up plenty of times when I have been wallowing in my own little pot of self-pity. And I wanted to give my listeners and people on the podcast just a chance to get get a little bit of a taste of that. So in my uh, in my quest to become a good podcast interviewer, I have the first question, which is here to disarm you and put you at ease. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. There we go. So, and we know, well, you and I know you're not a Chicago native, but the question is, what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? And spoiler alert, your hometown is not Chicago. Where is it? Correct. It is on Long Island. It's a little town called Massapequa, New York. Probably not so little, but <laughs> when I um, when I go back, the thing that I have to have is real New York pizza from either Phil's Pizza or Papalado's Pizza Cove. And um, it has to be a real New York thin crust pizza. And last time I was back there last month, um, I had the eggplant Parmesan thin crust pizza, which was to die for. Um, definitely worth breaking the dairy-free, gluten-free <laughs> diet for that. Oh, yeah, New York pizza. Now, I get in trouble being in Chicago because I never could handle deep dish pizza. 
<laughs> yep. Yep. You need a slice as big as your head that's floppy and you fold it in half right. and, and drip some of the grease off and, and it is sure. it is the best food um, worth breaking all the rules for. Um, and especially if you're um, up late or something, it's, it is a go-to food. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I am a I am a huge fan of New York pizza. All right. So how long food I crave out here that I really can't get. (laughs) Do you know there's a place in my neighborhood? There's a New York pizza place. Yeah, we'll we'll make plans after the podcast. We'll have to try try it. (laughs) We'll do another lunch. We'll do another lunch. Maybe we'll have another breakthrough. There we go. There we go. Um so what brought you from New York to Chicago? Oh, that's a great question. Um I actually moved from New York first to Washington, D.C. for graduate school. And then um, when you're getting your doctorate in clinical psychology, your last year, you have to go on a, on a full-time internship. And uh, there are more candidates than there are intern spots. So they've complete, uh, sorry created this computer matching system. And so... Um, you rank order the sites you interviewed at and they rank order you. And then a computer on match day, which is usually in February, just tells you where you're going for the next year. (laughs) And I got uh, Advocate Family Care Network and their childhood trauma treatment program. So uh, I found out in February, 2002, that I was moving to Chicago. (laughs) So you've been to both ends of the country and now the middle. Yes. Yeah. There we go. So looking back, and I mean, you can pick the age that you want to look back, but what do you wish you had known when you were starting out? Or as another way, what is advice you would give your whatever age self? You can pick your 20 or 30 or whatever. Who you? Is there some version of yourself that you wish you could give some information to now? That might have might have made things a little bit easier. If I'm looking at my uh, teenage or twenty something self, I would definitely I was definitely a rule follower. I was very ambitious from back then. So, you know, I went to undergrad and straight through to graduate school and had my doctorate by the time I was I don't know twenty six or twenty seven. So really young. Um, so I think I would have told myself to not be so serious and to break the rules. And, uh, I think I would have done the, you know, backpacking through Europe kind of thing. And, um, I think in my own way, I'm breaking the rules now in my business and things that I'm doing. But, um, but I think I would have, uh, would have been a lot less serious back then. (laughs) A lot less worried about doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, um, yeah, doing it perfectly, doing the right thing, going as fast as you can, um, pushing so hard. Yeah. I know, I know for me it was, I thought I need to do what makes everybody else happy. And it never occurred to me to sit down and figure out what I actually wanted to do Mm. because that was off the Mm -hmm. table. And Mm -hmm. looking back, I, 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 you know, I would, I don't know if I would change anything because it brought me to where I am, but right. it's still, 
I, I, I would still go back and say, why don't you do that thing that you're really passionate about? So mm -hmm. what I've done is I've given that advice to my own kids. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you do, right? <laughs> I honestly, You learn from your life and you try to advise them based on what you learned and then they're going to go do what they want to do. So. <laughs> and, and then they'll make their mistakes and they'll try to, you know, shield people from yeah, their mistakes yeah, exactly. moving forward. And, and so we go. So tell me just, and I, I mean, I know these things personally, but I would like to know what you're really passionate about. What gets you up in the morning and makes you think, oh, you know, I, I just can't wait to tackle this today. What, what is it that, that really lights you up that, you know, you, you are working on that you want to grow that you're trying to bring to the world? Yeah, I am super passionate about creating more women leaders in the world and helping women get their messages out, helping women own their power and claim their leadership and really helping them step up and change the world. I think that we are being called to action right now as women to really have our voices heard and to really take a stand on the issues that are important to us and to, to live bigger and dream bigger. And, um, definitely that fires me up and gets me going because I, um, I want to see a better world for myself, for my children. Um, you know, I want, I, I just think it's time for more women to be in leadership and that when women are, and I'm not talking about eliminating male leadership. I'm talking about bringing balance. Mm -hmm. I think the whole world will be better off when we're in balance. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think we could use, you know, just one or two more women leaders. Mm -hmm. So that is a fabulous vision. How are you doing it? Um, right now, I'm doing that through uh, through coaching female entrepreneurs who have a mission-driven business. So um, recovery coaches, health coaches, <laughs> um, even one of my uh, clients owns a local supermarket, but her, her mission is to be the hub in the community for busy families to make their lives easier. So, you know, with two working parents and, you know, schlepping kids everywhere to soccer and ballet and all this other stuff to have a place that makes their life easier. And so to me, the mission is no matter how small or how big it is, it's about having that mission and value and contributing to making our world better. Um, and so right now I'm doing it through coaching. I do a lot of speaking, which I love, and I'm finishing up my, um, book, Unleash the Wise Leader in You, How to Succeed at Home, at Work, and in the World. And I'm in talks with uh, a few different publishers right now to see who I'm, uh, I'm going to publish with. So super exciting stuff that I'm, I'm really passionate about because I just want to change women's lives and help empower more women and, you know, help them be financially independent because that gives them more strength and power and, um, you know, just help them get their, their message out there, have more impact, make more money, work in their passion and purpose. Right. All, yeah. all, of, all of that is, uh, is so, so important. So 
and I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep at this. So why? Why why why, why have you found this mission? What is what is yeah. your what is your why, which you know we know is the reason that really drives everything. And if you're in alignment with your why to your deeper purpose, then mm-hmm. you can move forward and that that is enough to sustain you when you're not in alignment and you know we've spent I've spent quite a bit of my time trying to find that why and then to move my alignment towards that you are living it but what what is your why 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 do you do this yeah well I have certainly been in the helping profession obviously for a long time um you know I started my psychology journey back in I don't know, something like 1996. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, I was on this path for a while in my own private practice. I had started treating children with anxiety disorders and then moved into, um, moved into from that working with women in middle age who were kind of waking up to their lives and themselves and realizing that they'd really created a life based on what everybody else wanted and not what they wanted. And um, I was doing that work and then my family and I decided to move. So I closed that business and I went to work for somebody else for um, three years and I got some great leadership and management experience. Um, But uh, one day uh, I was coming home from work on a Friday night and I was really uh, upbeat and ready and excited to have a date night with my hubby. And uh, when I came in the door, I started asking where we're going to go for dinner. And he um, sat me down and told me that my sister had died. And uh, here she was. Um, It had only been about two weeks since her 40th birthday. And uh, she didn't show up for work. And my mom went over to her apartment and found her dead on the floor in her bathroom. And she'd probably been there for a day. And, uh, obviously the, the shock was just overwhelming. And in the beginning we had no idea, um, what had happened. We had so many questions and, uh, the autopsy report, eventually ruled it, um, an accidental overdose. Uh, but my sister had a history of depression and did not have a history of drug use. So, um, upon finding her diary and some other things, uh, we kind of put the pieces together that, that this had been a suicide. And, um, it was, it was just a huge, it was hugely devastating and it was a huge wake up call as well because she was here one day and gone the next and she didn't get the opportunity to truly fulfill her purpose. And, um, it was a wake up call to me that I wasn't living my purpose. I was working for somebody else. Um, the, the values were not in alignment. I was essentially working three jobs um, and missing out on my family. And really, um, I was really burnt out at that time. Didn't realize how bad it was till mm-hmm. later. Um, but I realized I, I knew my purpose before I 
joined there and it was to help and empower women and help them live with passion and purpose. And um, that's evolved into really helping female entrepreneurs and it continues to grow. But I knew that I had um, taken this detour and that this was my wake up call that I had to get back on track and that um, obviously I couldn't save my sister but how many women in the world could I help change their lives and empower them? And if I empowered them, how, how could I change the world overall? And, um, so yeah, so every, everything I do is, uh, is really motivated by, by that loss, but turning that loss into, into fuel and into empowerment that, um, that that shouldn't happen again. Yeah, it's, I I think some of the most profound losses that we have, the most profound tragedies, while are, you know, exquisitely painful, are the places that we can find our greatest growth from. And mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a, a while to get that perspective. Sometimes, yeah. you know, and I, and I know in my, in my own brother's death, I, for a long time was just caught up in so much pain with it. But as, as you gain perspective, as you do the work, I mean, that, that's the other thing you've obviously done is you've done the work necessary because tragic things happen to everybody. Although I, I, I will say knowing you, you've, you've had more than your share. <laughs> <laughs> yes one could say that <laughs> one, one could say that um and I think what happens when these things happen is you have a choice and it may not seem like a choice but there's um there's a line from a poem and, and maybe I'll put it at the end of this thing because it's only occurred to me just now but it's a it's a line in a, in a poem that says I want to know if you are able after the long night of grief and sadness to get up in the morning and do what is necessary to feed the children. Mm. And to me, that has just summed up what, you know, it, it, it does not make less the, the weight and the pain of grief, but it also shows, and I think this is women especially, is that we still get up in the morning and we do what we need to to take care of the children, um, or we need, you know, we we take care of what needs to be taken care of, and it's this living through a tragedy, still doing what has to be done, having the uh, the awareness or or the or gift of someone who will help you with the awareness to do the self care, to do the grief work. You know, you cannot do the grief work. You can stay mad. I mean, we know people who stay mad at the terrible things that have happened to them. But by doing the really awful grief work that is um, some of the toughest work, if not the toughest work, I think you have to do in a lifetime. But by doing that, you do come to a place that is, is softer, is wiser, and allows you to go out into the world with that wisdom and help other people I mean you said you can't save your sister but you can be there for another woman who might be in that 
in that state of mind or who could get there if she continued not to live her purpose. So by encouraging women and supporting, and not just encouraging, because that just sounds like you go up for tea and say, you go, girl. You know, (laughs) you got this. You actually encourage with concrete, accountable, um, definite ways to do this. And, you know, I I can speak from experience. You will follow up. And sometimes push the edges, right? Push, push the edges in, in that in that really loving, firm way. I love you, but I love you, and I'm gonna need you to get that thing done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. So I, I said in another uh, interview, you know, my style or my voice has been described as kind but firm. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I think I can own that. That that's <laughs> yeah. But what an awesome thing that is to be, because if you're if you're kind and you're not firm, that's that means you're a bit of a pushover. And if you're just all firm all the time, then there isn't that that support that you get from kindness. So I I think yeah. I think that's a good balance. And I think for women, that is something that we need to step into, and we need to own that we are capable of making firm, strong decisions and being firm and being all of that, it doesn't mean we're not feminine. It doesn't mean we're not women. It means that we can be, and and leadership, feminine leadership is something that would embody that as well, is what it means to be a woman and the, the kindness, the nurturing, all of that with the ability to be assertive, to be unashamed about saying, yeah, I feel like making money because what I do is valuable. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Words I'm not going to use in this podcast. But, <laughs> you know, we we seem to think that if we are, are healers or if we, you know, bring something of value, that we should just do that because we're, we're women and we're givers and we're nurturers. Well, yeah. But what we do is valuable, and this is something you've taught me. And if what we do is valuable, then getting paid for that is pretty freaking reasonable. Right, right. And that's what you should be asking for. You should be asking to be paid your value and the value that you provide. And women often don't do that. I mean, research shows that... um, I'm going to geek out a little bit here, but... Oh, go for it. Go for it. Geek away. (laughs) Right. You know, women will wait until they are overqualified for a position before they apply for it. And men will apply for it before they're technically qualified, right? So if they have like 60% of what somebody is looking for, they will throw their hat in where women are like, oh, I only have 95% that I can't throw my hat in the ring. And then what happens, like they get passed up for promotions and things like that. And we have to own the role we play in that. And I'm not saying that there isn't gender discrimination. I'm not saying that there isn't an imbalance, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying I can't control anyone but myself. So I'm going to take control of my side of the street and I'm going to claim my leadership. I'm going to find my voice. I'm going to be unapologetically ambitious 
And to your point, I can still be feminine in doing that. Right. You know, and that it, we need a balance of feminine and masculine power. And again, it's proven that the more diversity that sits at the leadership table, the better results we have, the more out of the box thinking we have, the more innovation, creativity, the more we're able to speak to more people. And so it's really about bringing, bringing things into balance because right now they're, they're very out of balance. They, they are just a little. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but that's okay because I think being out of balance will draw your attention to where you would like the balance to go when things are easy mm-hmm. it's easy to be complacent and right now complacency isn't isn't an option for a lot of us right right and it's i was just i just got off the phone with a client actually and was talking about being grateful for the contrast that when mm-hmm. contrast shows up in our life it shows us what we don't want and it teaches us what we do want and it's not a bad thing, you know, it may not feel good, but it's, it's an awakening. And, you know, someone could say that losing my sister was a contrast, right? I mean, it was a mega Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one, yeah. Right, but it's also that wake-up call. Is this the world you want to live in? Are you living the life the way you want to live it? Um, are you making the impact that you want to make on the world? And, and I wasn't, so I, I made a change and, um, you know, so it's not, it's not just something that I, I coach women on, but it's something that I live myself every day. Yeah. You, 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 you did it. You walk the walk. Yeah. All right. So just, just to sort of just take a step off from that, tell me about something that you failed at. Unless you've completely done everything right and succeeded at everything you've tried, you know, that I, I might meet somebody like that one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, gosh, which do I pick? <laughs> <laughs> With a highlight you know, reel, yeah. Um, uh, my husband is is very clever with analogies, and he always says you can't be a pioneer without getting a few arrows in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And so, um, you know, honestly, I think one of the things I failed at was uh, was my first marriage. Right? Um, it was it was not in alignment. It was. Um, you know, and we are, we are friendly, we are cordial, we co-parent, this is not an animosity situation, but the, the marriage had to end. And it was after the birth of my second daughter that frankly, I, um, I fell apart for a while there. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and I'm sure lots of people out there can relate. And I went from having this very, very easy child, like, bring it on. Let's do this again and again to, oh my God, what did I do to my world? (laughs) I had that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 In hindsight, I probably had, um, some postpartum depression and, 
you know, I, it's very interesting because of course, as a psychologist, I went, I went to therapy to fix it and it wasn't, it wasn't fixing it. And that's when I really dove into my yoga and my, um, meditation practices, which really, um, changed my life and, uh, also made me realize that, um, that the marriage wasn't healthy for either one of us, that we weren't, we weren't creating a healthy house together. And that, um, even back then I knew that I was called to, um, to serve at a much greater level. I knew that I would be touching many, many thousands of lives and that, um, that neither one of us in the marriage were really functioning at our full potential Mm -hmm. and that we wouldn't be able to in the marriage. And so, um, so I really had to, had to release it. Um, so, uh, but I think again, you know, I guess, you know, part of the way I live my life is despite anything I've been through, I've always used it as fuel for the next step and the next level of, um, contribution in the world. And so, um, just like many of my other experiences, that's really what, what became of that. But I also became more true to myself and who I was and not just, um, following other people's rules. So. Yeah. I mean, that failure is, is funny like that. And it's, again, you, you cannot learn from it. It's learning is optional. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, Failure is not, fail- but learning from it is, right? How, how, what you want to do with that failure, Pema Chodron had, uh, and I, I have the book on my bedside table, but it's called Fail, Fail Again, Fail Better. And it was a commencement uh, speech she gave at her granddaughter's college commencement. But she mm. talks about how we need to reevaluate our relationship with failure. And how we think it's it's a terrible thing, and it's actually not. And one of the, and I think we're hearing this more and more. And it it comes more from men, but as women, I think we should talk about it more because we're more inclined to give ourselves a very hard time about our perceived failings. Okay, um, but is like, go ahead and screw it up. Like, let's go it. I hope I screw this up because if I screw it up, I'm going to learn something. You know, if I get it right, awesome. But if I screw it up, there's so much more that you can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you know, I have, I have three children, two of them are daughters. And one of the things that I would like to give all of them, but especially my daughters, is that, you know, go ahead and screw things up screw them up again and, and, and do it better, but learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, you do not have to be perfect. Or as Mary Oliver says, you do not have to be good. <laughs> um, you just, you know, you have to be yourself be present when you, when you can manage it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. and that's been an evolving, uh, relationship with failure in my own life. Sure. Well, and you sure. Know. And it's, it's true that we learn so much more from our failure than we do from our successes. And it's really how we, how we think about it. And, you know, when you asked me, what would I, you know, what would I tell my younger self? 
the other piece of that is um, if I was talking to my younger entrepreneur self is that, you know, the ebbs and flows are normal. It's, you know, it is not like, you know, sitting in an office and getting your weekly paycheck or whatever, you know, just having that grace for what the process really looks like. And that failure is a part of that process. So just because you messed up a sales call or whatever, like didn't, didn't have a call to action at the end of your speech, whatever it is, you didn't know who you were messaging to. It's all part of the process. And I always say that being a business owner is the most personal growth work you'll ever do because everything shows up in your business. The perfectionism, the overthinking, the self-doubt, the, you know, insecurity, all of it shows up in your business. And it's, it's an amazing opportunity to work through that and create a better version of you and help others doing it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, that comes back to one of my main things that I'm trying to do with my life is, is to serve and to, you know, you cannot hand somebody else your learning, but you can say, here is how I screwed up. Here is how I, you know, here's where I fell down and I might not be able to stop you from falling down. I might not be able to stop you from screwing up, but I can let you know that this is the path that I took to get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that. Yeah. 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 Well, and one of the reasons that I have begun sharing about, um, you know, some of my personal life experiences, including my why, um, is to show people just that you do have a choice. You know, there are people who have been through similar situations as myself who choose to live in sadness, live in anger, live in bitterness, live in resentment, whatever that is. And I, this is not me judging them, but it's just hopefully giving giving other people hope and inspiration that you do have a choice. Right. And you can allow your trauma, which I've had several, (laughs) you can allow your trauma to, um, to take you down and to bury you and help you see the world in a negative way. Or you can allow your trauma to be fuel for, for greatness. And I just, I just choose the latter. And I, and I think too, the, the people that I know in life that are the most compassionate are the ones that when I'm falling apart that I turn to aren't the ones who have had a perfect and easy life. I mean, no one has had a perfect and easy life. But the people who I find are the most compassionate are the ones who have been through the worst stuff. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's just understanding what that kind of pain feels like. And from that place of, you know, empathy, as, you know, as Brené Brown will describe it, um, empathy is very different than sympathy. Empathy is, you know, abil- the ability to sit with someone wherever they are and not to judge, not to fix, not to, not to do anything, but to be there. And I think one of the greatest gifts, and I mean, as far as, you know, I'm, not a great philosopher, um, 
but I think the purpose of suffering is to give us that clarity and to give us that ability to show up for someone and to give us empathy that will allow us to be there for the next person. Like I said, we, we, you cannot stop bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you cannot stop trauma or pain or anything like that, but you can be that person that says, I'm here and this, you know, this could be a path out for you and mm-hmm. that there is a way out of it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that, um, that everything that's happened to me is directly related to my purpose and my, um, my calling to serve many, many people, helping women wake up and, and be the leaders in their communities and speak out, have a voice, stand for the issues that are important to them and, and change the world. And I just don't, I don't think that we're given pain and suffering to be, to live in pain and suffering. I think it happens to us as part of our, our journey of creating something bigger. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. All right. So, and I just, I want to, I want to wind up with a couple of things. Um, and I'll, I'll save this one for the end, but is there anything that you think I should have asked or you would still like to share while, while we're still here? Mm, good question. Good question. I worked on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just say that um, for all the women listening, if there is even an inkling in the back of your brain or that little sensation in your gut that there's there's something more for you. There's something that you need to be doing. Um, and even if you have no clue what that is yet, start listening to that. And um, please feel free to, uh, to reach out to me, you know, through social media or my webpage or um, any of that to, uh, um, to help you on that journey because it really – it really is time. And I think more and more women are starting to sense that and feel that. And some women, um, like you, Ruth, it just, it didn't take much to figure it, to figure it out. It wasn't even a whole bowl of (laughs) soup. It was amazing. (laughs) And then we had a path and I could help you, help you get going on that path. And, um, for some women, you know, there's a process that they need to do of, of unfolding to figure out what the path is that takes a little bit longer. Um, and then, you know, but for, for women that have a big mission, and even if you're very early in that stage, um, I certainly can help. And I just encourage you to listen to that voice. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be me, but I do think we all need help because, um, you, you can't read the bottle from inside. I'm sorry. You can't read the label from inside the bottle. Oh, so that's a good it one. It helps to have another perspective and have someone help you figure that out. So um, listen to that voice, meditate, whatever you need to do to get quiet and hear it. And when you need help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Right. I mean, getting help is a sign of strength. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so 
Um, I'm going to have all of Donna's information in the show notes with a cute little headshot and how you can get in touch with her on her website and in Facebook uh, you're, and on Instagram. You are, you are on all the social medias. Yes, pretty yes. much. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Dr. Donna Marino. Coaching and, and the consulting. Website, there Donna we go. Marino. Dr. Donna Marino. So we will have all of that in the show notes. And I just want to offer you a really, really profound thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to me and to be part of this podcast as I try to bring this you know, message out to people to get the word out that you know where you are doesn't mean it's where you have to be or where you need to stay. Exactly. Exactly. You really can overcome anything. You just might need some help to do it. You probably will need some help. <laughs> exactly. I've had lots of help. <laughs> I, I myself have had plenty of help and I'm very grateful for it and will continue to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're never done. You're never done. It's a, a it's a lifelong process of growth, but that's, that's the beauty of it all. I was going to say, isn't that just a wonderful thing to know yeah. that you never stop growing, that you will continue to learn your entire life. Yeah. That, that it's a gift that I think is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank I you. Ruth. I'm the recovery coach and I am going to be signing off now. I will talk to you very soon. Maybe you're in recovery. Maybe you're coming out of recovery. Maybe you're sober curious. Listen to this podcast. See what you think. If it resonates with you, hop on a call. Go to chatwithruth.com. Click the 30-minute clarity call and we can talk. I'm Ruth. I'm the recovery coach. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. We'll talk soon.